0: Sequence is loading.
1: So, uh, what is the Schmidt?
0: Relax. Breathe. Enjoy.
2: Move it. Denny Craig. Move
1: it. All right, everybody. Lock and load. I'm the big
2: gun this morning. You're nothing but a skinny, overpaid... Deckhand. No, I am the deckhand who steers the ship because the captain isn't up to it anymore.
3: From Forest Rain Studios, the home of Boston-Legal.org, you're connected to a special presentation of the Boston Legal Podcast. This one I like to call the Parallel Universe. Trek in the courtroom. We come out with periodic special presentations like this one. And today we're going to talk about the real or imagined parallels between Star Trek and the episode of Boston Legal titled Helping Hands. A lot of the information that we're going to talk about right now is chronicled over at our boston-legal.org Star Trek page. Just click on the Helping Hands handy dandy PDF file and you'll be able to Follow along, look at the pictures that we're describing here. Calling in all the way from Montreal, Canada. Thanks again, Deb, for joining us for your special report on, uh, as we call it, the Forensic Television Anthropology of Comparative Studies between Star Trek and Boston Legal. Welcome. Thank you, Dana. Nice to be online. Well, did you enjoy watching this last episode, Helping Hands? My,
0: My second favorite episode.
3: Really? After which one?
0: After Finding Nemo.
3: So there are some, uh, there is a theme between those two in that it's the Denny Allen, uh. uh it's their chemistry. Chemistry, okay. They have chemistry. And a purely heterosexual
0: one, right? Uh, metrosexual, anyways.
3: That word was invented for those two. Uh,
0: they, they suit it to a T. <laughs> well,
3: let's jump right into the themes that you've uncovered between, uh, the Star Trek and Boston Legal. Uh, the first one you have, well, explain it. How did you come across this one? When I'm listening to the
0: dialogue that uh, was uh, between Paul Lewiston and uh, Denny Crane about the prenup, Mm -hmm. and they get into an argument about who's the captain of the boat, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, uh, Paul Lewiston is challenging Denny about who really runs the office, and this gets um, Crane very angry.
2: What's this? It's your prenup from your last
1: marriage. It's hard to believe I was ever that young
2: I took the liberty of Drawing up a new one with some addendums In the event that either party
1: becomes physically or mentally Incapacitated, their assets This isn't about protecting me, it's about protecting the firm
2: You've been through wives Before, Denny, five of them This firm is the constant. We're the ones who are still here. And this does look after your best interests.
1: You mean the best interests of the
2: firm? Oh, for God's sake, Denny. Someone has to worry about this firm. And since you won't, I have to. Because you're a senior partner. Yet your name isn't on the door. Mine is. First name the door. I'm not interested in getting into any historical argument with you. Why? Because I built this firm from the ground up? I care about what could happen to this firm now. Well, let me tell you what'll happen to this firm if Denny Crane left. It would dry up and blow away, and you with it. I'm the big gun of this boat. The captain. You're nothing but a skinny, overpaid deckhand. No, I am the deckhand who steers the ship because the captain isn't up to it anymore. Get out. Look over the new document, sign it, and get it back to me today. Not signing anything.
0: And it was very reminiscent of the scene when um, Admiral Kirk uh, takes back the Enterprise after being away from the captain's chair for many years. And he actually takes the command away from um, Willard Deckard and demotes him <laughs> for the mission. And they have this similar, he is similarly challenged by Captain Deckard about. The ability of uh, Captain Kirk to uh, run the ship.
3: And um, which movie was this? That was the original movie. All right, the, the, the
0: first movie that uh, kicked off uh, the uh, the nine movies that followed, or eight <laughs> movies that followed afterwards.
3: Now, unbelievably, you were able to zero in on a, a clip from that, which we can play right now. Let Go everybody ahead. see the similarities. Yes.
1: Let's talk. Sure. Let me know when that backup's ready. I done. All due respect, sir, I... Oh, this is some kind of Starfleet pep talk. I'm really too busy. I'm taking over the center seat, Will. You're what? I'm replacing you as captain of the Enterprise. You'll stay on as executive officer. Temporary grade reduction to commander. You personally are assuming command? Yeah. May I ask why? My experience? Five years out there dealing with unknowns like this. My familiarity with the Enterprise, it's cruel. Admiral, this is an almost totally new Enterprise. You don't know her a tenth as well as I do. That's why you're staying aboard. I'm sorry. No, Admiral, I don't think you're sorry. Not one damn bit. I remember when you recommended me for this command. You told me how envious you were and how much you hoped you'd find a way to get a Starship Command again. Well, sir, it looks like you found a way. Report to the bridge, Commander. Immediately.
0: Aye, sir. You underpaid deckhand. <laughs>
3: They were a Mike Calmer in this particular version than Lewiston and Denny yeah. Crane.
0: There was that historical argument reference that Lewiston made that somehow he feels he, his name should have been on the door as well. And they don't ever explain why, but it's the second time they've kind of had this, this allusion to you know something in the past where it ended up being Crane and not Lewiston, who was the senior most
3: partner. And, or, and he's not even in the trilogy, you know, Poole is, and that's, no. that is an interesting story that I hope they bring up at some point, because if you, you say it's been mentioned twice.
0: Yeah, it's the second time, you know, with the senior partners, plural. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, obviously when they had the partnership meeting, you had all these people sitting in the room and you saw dozens of people.
3: Remember? Yeah, 50 of them. But, you know, there's
0: always this, you know, who, you know, when you're sitting, when you're, when you're top gun, everybody's sort of like gunning for you, right?
3: Right. That was pretty amazing. It was just, and he just comes right in and he takes retakes command. It doesn't matter that he doesn't know the ship anymore, just like Crane doesn't necessarily know all the laws anymore, but he is the figurehead. Yes. He's going to remain the figurehead. Yeah. And <sighs> so
0: he commands the respect of the crew.
3: <laughs> he does. Well, continuing on to this just wonderful episode, Helping Hands, there was another... Wonderful parallel. This is actually, I think you said, before we started here, uh, the your favorite scene. The Mambo scene
0: <laughs> with uh, Danny Crane practicing for his wedding, the Mambo scene. And he's really quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> that is almost like a, a parallel universe of Captain Picard when he visits the Baku planet and he's affected by the sort of like fountain of youth effect going on and he's listening to classical music and he asks the ship's computer to go ahead and play something more like a mambo and he gets up and he starts mamboing around his office all by himself
3: not his beloved classical music but he's by himself, just like just like Crane was by himself. Just like Crane was by himself. The the
0: even the mambo song, and I and I really wish I could have heard them side by side to to pick off whether it's the same mambo, but it's they're very similar.
1: May I cut in? I'm practicing for my wedding. Come on, join me. Why not? No, 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 no. Not on the one. It's not a mambo. It's a feeling. Like a heartbeat. Ka-chomp, ka-chomp, ka-chomp. Shut up and dance, mister.
3: Well, you were so good as to find that. Let's let's listen to that mambo scene in that whole clip. And you also found a picture, so remind everybody to definitely go to the website, uh, boston and look at Deb's document that she put together with the pictures of each of these parallels. More importantly, look at the chairs in the background of that picture. Oh, I'm looking at that right now. No kidding, those are the t- the chairs from the terrace. <laughs> <laughs> that is too shocking. You the things you uncover. All right, let's mambo. <coughs>
0: Thank God nobody walks into my office because I (laughs) see me stocking feet doing my mambo around the
3: desk. Oh, I love it. (laughs) That's such happy music. Where was, where was number one? Where was Data? They needed to come in and cut in, right?
0: I have to go back because he is, yes, Picard does get interrupted in the middle of his mambo. Data does not dance with him, though.
3: (laughs) Oh, was it Data that came in?
0: Mm, Not sure.
3: I know you know. Now, what was the name of that particular mambo used in Star Trek Next Generation?
0: Uh, Did I... Yes, you that, did. makeover uh, mambo by makeover
3: mambo. That's right. And it's by Alan Silvestri. <laughs> <laughs> another <laughs> AS. Oh, you know, that's true. AS. Yeah. Uh, listen, you have another similarity that I was actually unaware of until I read this very good.
0: Yeah. Star Trek alumni reference. <laughs> so besides William Shatner and the Auberge Noir, Joan Cassidine, there was Kelly Connell, uh, who played the part of attorney John Hobart. Uh, in helping
3: hands. Now, remind uh, me which attorney this was. <laughs> uh, he, he was. It wasn't uh, Frank Ginsburg, and it wasn't the. Um, well, was the judge? Was it the one in the? Yeah, that's right. It was. It was the attorney opposing counsel to Denise and right. Michael J. Fox's.
0: That's right. And he appeared as well as a character called Sklar in a Voyager episode uh, called uh, "Ride."
3: Right and, and
0: he he he, uh, he has a very interesting death in that episode because he falls out of a, a sort of an airlock type device and plunges uh, through the atmosphere to his death.
3: <laughs> oh he was a bad guy
0: yes, he was a bad guy,
3: a murderer he was, he was a
0: tragic bad guy he you know didn't didn't intend to be a bad guy, but his experimental experiments and stuff like that ended up being on the wrong side of the dividing line between good and bad.
3: Ah, uh, he got carried away by the science of it. Yes. And, and he, uh, you have pictures of him, so this is great. He actually doesn't look as um, alien as some of the people on Star Trek. So he you looks can, fairly
0: alien. He's got
3: the big overhang eyebrows going.
0: Yeah, he's got what we call the spoonhead effect. <laughs> okay.
3: There was another similarity. I wish we had a soundbite for this. but um. I I looked very hard for (laughs) it. But it was
0: uh, in the movie Generation. Chekhov and Kirk are meeting some of the new crew members. And one of them was Sulu's daughter. Her name was uh, Demora. And she's taking over the helm, which used to be Captain Sulu's uh, spot in the original series. And Chekhov looks at her and says, I was never that young. And Kirk says, no, you were younger. Kirk says a similar thing in that scene with uh when, when um Paul Lewiston walks into his office with a prenup and says, Here's your prenup from your last marriage and Kirk looks at it and goes, I was never that young.
3: Denny, yes, was, no, I'm sorry, Danny says I was yeah.
0: never that young.
3: Was there a comeback from Lewiston to that? Uh,
0: not you, you were younger. <laughs> no. It was Paul's episode as as much as anybody else's because he starts off with, I'm not gonna go through this again. And then, you know, you can see the tension just building up to the point where they are going to blow up. And then at the end of the day, there's the tickets to make it all better for the Knicks.
3: Then he claimed he didn't, alluded to the fact that he didn't remember ever having an argument with him. And then finally yeah. he just admitted, you're going to make me rehash this whole thing or just to pretend I forgot? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, you know, "Craft." Oh, what, now what is craft again? Craft. remember a... Frigging thing! <laughs> this is great. This is all thanks to your dad, right? All thanks to dad. I can't remember a friggin' thing. Yeah. Now you have this one final soundbite—the nursemaid soundbite.
0: Yeah, it's just—it's just another thing that reinforces, you know, the challenge of uh, Captain uh, Commander Decker to Captain Kirk about his ability to run the ship.
1: Why was my phaser order countermanded, So The Enterprise redesign. Increases phaser power by channeling it through the main engines. When they went into antimatter imbalance, the phasers were automatically cut off. And you acted properly, of course. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry if I embarrassed you. You saved the ship. I'm aware of that, sir. Stop competing with me, Decker. to speak freely, sir? Granted. Sir, you haven't logged a single star hour in two and a half years. That, plus your unfamiliarity with the ship's redesign, in my opinion, sir, seriously jeopardizes this mission. I trust you will. Nurse made me through these difficulties, Mr. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Then I won't keep you from your duties any longer, Commander.
3: Well, thank you so much, Deb. Wow, a lot of good similarities this time for Helping Hands and Star Trek and all its generations of soundtrack <laughs> Star Trekness. You know, what the saddest thing is Dana. What is that? When Boston Legal comes to an end one day, I sure am going to miss doing this. <laughs> well, we can work our way back through the first season. <laughs>
0: we haven't done true it. Enough. True enough. That's true enough. That's true. I'll, I'll own the DVD. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, so I'll let you go. Have a, a really great weekend. You too. Thank you so much for your trek in the park room.